I have a fantastic interview for you all today. Today, we're going to be speaking to Indiana Ortez. She's a blender in the cigar industry, really up and coming, but she's really made a name for herself in just a short amount of time. So let's get to today's interview. Indiana, how are you doing tonight? Um, excellent. And to any you? I'm doing well. Like I said, it's been, we were talking before we went live tonight. And it's like, it's been a while since I've seen you in person, but you're looking great. And I, I've, we caught up a little bit before, like I said, we, we went live. So I hear that you have a whole bunch of stuff going on in your life and uh, in career. So uh, I'm glad to see that you're still keeping busy and still progressing. Thank you, Anton. Yeah, it's been, it's been almost three years. Mm -hmm. that I completely disappeared from social media. And it's so nice to have my first official uh, introduction again uh, to social media with you. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, thank you. Like I said, thank you for coming on. For people who don't know Indiana, she is, I would say, one of the most interesting up-and-coming cigar blenders there are out there. So she's, you know, I, I know people... Um, come to deep cuts from different walks of life and they don't really know exactly how a cigar is made. So there's a lot of work that goes into making a cigar that you kind of buy in a store. And Indiana is like this, uh, you know, master of tobacco that really goes through and figures out, you know, all the little nuances and things that are, you know, need to go into making a good cigar, a good cigar. And she creates that cigar that you're smoking and she's created some, um, I'm pretty sure some cigars that a lot of people who are going to listen to this uh, have, you know, like I said, smoked in the past. So um, I'm excited to have you on and, and talk about your career in cigars and your experience blending. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been almost 10 years and at times I started this journey in the cigar industry and with this new, with this new, um, with this new decision on 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 the company or which are gonna be my 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 next step in the industry, I just remember when I started and when I started it was because I I want to create a blog and because I always see my dad very passionate about cigars and coming to the house smelling it like tobacco. And I just want to be that girl who smokes cigars and, and trying to explore that war. So dad takes that, that request very seriously and he invited me to join the factory, but to start the whole process. So I, I decided to, to go and learn the whole process. But at that time, I didn't I didn't understand what the what this road is about and what the industry is about. So I fall in love when one day that I that I lose the control of my emotion and the cigars told me that I'm losing the control of my emotion. That day, I feel like I'm very I'm very good. But in my classes, I need to make a hundred perfect bunches in order to jump to the rolling side. And I was like three months stuck in the bunching because I, they they do not allow me, those, those 100 bunches need to be perfect. So even if I'm doing 200 or 300, um, if there is not 100 perfect, I cannot jump to the next one. So I was in 90, 90 good cigars. And I came out and told dad like, dad, I just eat my 90 good cigars. So I think that tomorrow, um, it's going to be my last day bunting. 
the next day I came, I sit down and I only can make, I only made 10 good cigars and I produced like 250 cigars. And I'm like, what's going on with you, Indiana? You are not changing sizes. You are using the same materials. Everything was the same. So I, I used to came to the factory from 6.30 to 5.30 p.m. When I joined my dad, he said like, so you hit the goal? And I'm like, no, dad, I, I only can make, I only made 10 cigars. And he said like, why you didn't tell me? And I'm like, why I need to tell you? And he said like, how do you feel today? And he started asking personal questions. And I said like, I'm feeling good. Now I'm sad because I couldn't jump to the, to the goal. And he said like, well, something is going on with you today because you move the, the shape of the tobacco in your hands. And every time that the Boncheo passed for that, it's because they have a lot of things going on in their head and we send the Boncheo to the house. So today you make us waste a lot of tobacco. If you will be transparent with me, you will, we will send you to home. And, and that day I understand that the tobacco is this beautiful thing that just grab my energies and transfer in a good in a good experience. So that was my 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 first experience when I fall in love with the with the tobacco and understand that what I'm smoking is something that I that I was be able to create and something that I put my my effort and my soul. Well at that time it was just learning the whole process and then start the blending the blending things because I always like uh, I always been curious how the tobacco can trans can evolve with different with other tobacco and how that can be a good smoke or a bad smoke. So my teacher, which is which was Fausto Flores, he 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 told me that we only need to concentrate if not have uh in, in have a good draw, good construction and not bitter. So and then later on, later later on we have this fight because I I I get the I get the bitter very quickly than than him. So I used to tell all the time like women uh women are more sensitive to the bitter, so it's better than you keep a woman in your tasting in your tasting pan. And we used to make uh, a lot of joke a, a lot of jokes about that. So then. Um, I came back to Aero Tobacco from the start and that say like, okay, this is, this is, this is it. You are ready. But you, if you want to join Aero Tobacco, um, you have to know that this is the job that I have and you will have like five or seven bosses over you. And I do not want any trouble from you, Indiana. So, because I, I I'm very, uh, particular with the quality. So he advised me, like, the first complaint that I hear or the first problem that I have from you at Agro Tobacco, you will not have a job because you will be, every pro, every person that joined the factory and is a troublemaker, it's not able to work anymore with us. And, and here it's not, it's not necessary that you are my daughter and I have preference. So two weeks after or a week after, I was just checking cigars and looking the cigars 
that the production was made. And I remember that I just start asking, like, why you are putting that in that way? Or why you are using this wrapper? Or it's not supposed that you have to cut that. And, and they get, I, I guess that they get afraid that the daughter of the owner of the company now is in the factory running and checking the, the cigars. And two weeks later, they decided to stop production. So all the production decided that they are not going to keep working until I left the rolling room. So that, that was my welcome at Agrotabaco. And my uncle at that time handled very, very well. And he said, like, she's not going to, she's not going, she's not going anywhere, anywhere. And she's going to stay. And you have to, to listen what she is saying because she came from, it's, it's true that she, that she came from, from the learning process, but he was, he was teached by the owner of this company. So, and we have to respect. Um, then I start doing the blendings and concentrate more in, in perfect my own technique of bunting technique and rolling technique because the rolling technique, it was always hard for me. And I joined Ventura, created blends for Ventura. That was my, my first time that I hear somebody tell direct to my dad that what I'm doing on social media, it was very, it, it has value. And, and it was a very, very emotional time. So I spent, I spent five years at Agrotabacos at my father's factory. And at that time, I remember that one of my, one of my desires it was share with, with, with the rest of the people what my family has been doing in the cigar industry, because we are the oldest Nicaraguan tobacco family with three generations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we need to celebrate that. And I, I feel like that I was called to make that job. But it, wasn't, it was hard at that time to communicate. Then I just became like a, like a face of myself and the face of a brand. And it was good at the beginning. I enjoy a lot, but, but the industry is hard. So I decided to, to, to move forward. And then came the opportunity with, with Favili, with Mombacho at that time, and then Favili. But before that, I have a meeting with my dad, and he said, like, Indiana, I, I think that you are ready to, to have your own factory. But at that time, I was afraid and say like, no, dad, this is not the time to have my own factory. The only, prof- the only side that I know is just the manufacturer side. I do not anything about managing people, um, payroll, uh, payrolls, admin, right. government, all that stuff. So he said, like, and, and I, and I asked him to give me two years. I say, like, I'm just going to need two years. I'm going to keep, keep exploring. And then I'm going to, I'm going, I'm coming back to you. But then those two years, I completely forget about that. And then became the opportunity with Mombacho to move as a general manager. I remember that dad used to, used to make jokes with me, like, Indiana, but why they are looking for you as a general manager? And, and I, I remember that I just get upset and say, like, I'm capable to be a general manager. I'm, I'm going for this job, et cetera, et cetera. And he say, I'm just advise you. And I want that you be clear. And then I don't want that you, that you feel hurt when something is not working. I'm here for you, for supporting. And I know that you are moving to Granada, so I'm going to be all the time through the phone. 
everything that you need. Okay, so I moved to Granada. <laughs> I decided to spend the first three months or four months uh, meeting meeting all the people. Granada people are very passionate, are very dedicated to what they are doing. They like to learn. They work slow. They put attention. So that was my perfect environment to be in charge. But then the real responsibility as a general manager came on board, and it was trying to get the cost of the cigars, get the how much we are spending here, how much we are spending there. And at Agro Tabacos, I have all the tobaccos that I want. So I was I was going to the freight industry, which is owned by my family, too, and say, like, I want this bail, I don't want this bail, or if I pick up a bail that I'm not going to use, so that I can use that bail in the other brand, etc. When I joined Favili, it was completely different because every bail that we purchased, I need to use that bail. And then became the rentability when I just purchase a bail thinking in a specific brand and we just have we we were working in three lines at that time which was Granada line. So it was a roller coaster but a lot of learning. Then I decided uh, the president the president at that time decided asking if I can if I can handle the admin administration. So I say yes. I can handle, <laughs> and I always don't, don't I, I never liked the numbers, so it was a headache. <laughs> that we have at that time, uh, Jared was a uh, global sales, international global sales, and, and he was always supporting me, but I was a completely mess. I was calling all the time to, to my older sister about the DGI, DGI, which is uh, the regulation for for export, for import, and then um, we I, I have to keep going with the with the production and inspecting the production. Then I realized that one of the rollers that we have at that time it was very good and very committed with 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 what she's doing, and she knows about tobacco. She was allowed to. Uh, to learn about tobacco, so I'm. I request her as a. I request to the board if she can be my next uh, production manager because during like, okay, three months I was meeting the team. After those three months, I keep um, like five years, five months, sorry, supervising the production. So I was inspecting their cigars and meeting their people. It was it was the best the best way to. To explain them, them to share why why I need to make some changes on the blends and why we are going in different directions and all the things that has to to do with blending and and and, and the cigar by itself. Um, well, so I move I move I, I have a new production manager. Uh, the new production manager it was very very good. So at that time we. It was three women who handle the production side. So I have a raw materials manager, which was, uh, which is Chilo Mesa. I have a production manager, which was Sochi and myself. So the three of us used to move all the cigars and know what, what everything, uh, the direction that we want. Unfortunately, 
So to do not continue with us, she has a better opportunity. And then we, we at Agrotalatos, I have a production manager that I used to work closely and, and he asked for a job. So we give them a job and we create this, this Granada line that, that it was produced at, at Favili. And we feel very, very proud to be able to, to, to create those those three brands, three brands in a record time. It wasn't not just three blends because it was three different blends with three different sizes. So basically it was nine different cigars that we had to create with different profiles. And that time it was the first time that I have clear direction in terms of the consumer. So it was like, okay, this is going to be Isletas. Isletas needs to be one dot with a lot of flavors, but not strength. And I want to ask you a question. When it comes to Nicaraguan tobacco in particular, what makes it different from tobaccos that are grown in other countries? Like does Nicaraguan tobacco have certain characteristics that make it unique? Yeah, I feel, I feel like Dominican Republic tobacco they are you can you can use the Dominican tobacco. They they match perfectly with the Nicaraguan tobacco. But the Nicaraguan tobacco used to be very dominant in terms of the blend. So in terms of characteristic, I I will not say that it is the strength, because strength in a cigar is the pen is it's always depend on the, in the on the blender or in the blade that, that the people or the or the the group of people decided to put together in the quantity of tobacco that you were using. So I remember that that, that I grew up listening that the Seville tobacco is the strongest one and the Nicaraguan tobacco is the strongest one. But I found Dominican tobacco that is very powerful. But it's more powerful if I use two leaves instead instead of one leaf. And other times, Nicaraguan tobacco are very aromatic and has a lot of flavors. So you can found you can found like a huge uh, a huge window of flavors in Nicaraguan tobacco. And if you if you we have Eseli, Condega, Jalapa, and Ometepe, and those four are not the same flavors. So I believe that with Nicaraguan tobacco, you have more options to explore. We can have the same seeds, but growing in, in the different areas, and that tobacco will taste completely different. So in terms of Nicaragua, we have, we have a lot of options in terms of blending. Dominican Republic, they have a lot of varieties uh, that give the different, the different taste. But um, but not too many areas to grow in tobacco. So in terms of Cuba, they have just one specific area to grow tobacco, and that limits to them. But Cuban tobacco is very floral. Nicaraguan tobacco is not floral at all. So I used to when I when I work with Psychosphere in Nicaragua with the Connecticut Desplorada. That Connecticut Desplorada wrapper, which came from that, that we grow in Nicaragua, that Connecticut Desplorada gave me like, like hints of floral, but it wasn't like trying a, a Cuban, a Cuban cigar. 
do you have a type of tobacco that you enjoy particularly working with or that you try to work into all of your blends? Yeah. Well, uh, it was the hardest tobacco to play in the beginning, but my favorite tobacco right now is Condega. So I'm using Condega in most of the blends right now. And that's, I think that the tobacco, it's allow you to connect with deep emotions. And for me, Condega, we are, we are from Condega. My family, my dad's side, uh, it's from Condega. So my grandpa, um, it was the first Nicaraguan who worked with the first Cuban who came to Nicaragua and they came to Condega. They did not came to Jalapa. They came to Condega. And, and, and at that time, my grandpa, it was like a, a, like a regular worker. And he learned from this specialist who came from Cuba. And, and my dad ne never leaves Condega. So we have more than, uh, more than 50 years working Condega land. So in my grand my grandpa Ramon Ortez it was the first one who grew wrapper in Condega. So during the history of Nicaragua, only place that you be able to grow wrapper and have quality wrapper, it was Jalapa. But uh, like five or four years ago, my dad and my brother started a project, a small project, in order to grow to grow wrapper in Condega. I remember at that time I, I used to say like why you are you are gonna grow that wrapper in Condega if nobody is growing wrapper in Condega. But they say like, well, this is an experiment. Let's see if we can get wrapper. So this time I with this new project that we have, I get back to my grand grandpa grandfather, which is ninety-four years old, and I'm just start asking, like trying to get all the information and he say like, Well, I remember that I used to grow and get such a beautiful grapper from Condega, from the same from the same farm that that Omar Junior is growing right now, and I and I say like really you get you get grapper from there and 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 then I I comment to him, so that's why my dad and Omar are trying to grow to grow again grapper and he say yes. Um, uh, that that he is he is excited, but he used to say that right now he do not understand what everybody is doing with the land. <laughs> <laughs> it's ninety four years old. Oh, you keep mentioning that. Of course, your family is pretty big in in the Nicaraguan tobacco industry, um, in particular. Um, we rarely have a person who's grown up in Nicaragua. So, can you just tell us a little bit about what you know, what is it like growing up in Nicaragua? Like, what is that culture like? What is the daily life like in Nicaragua? Well, you have you have um, three different areas. The tobacco has three different areas. One is the the land, the farm. The second, the farm and the curing barns. The second is the pre-industry and fermentation, and the last process is the manufacture. So. Uh, my brother has the opportunity to oversee the three areas or have had experience in the three areas. I only have the experience in production. Um, but uh, you have to 
something or at, at least something about the pre-industry because in the terms that you are looking for that tobacco, so in the terms of the strength, in strength, in terms of the sweetness, in terms of 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 the aromas, in terms of the burning. So in in the manufacturer you have the you have to learn that, but in the pre-industry and in the in the farm, you oversee, you already know what the tobacco will taste without tasting. Because it depends on um the way that you're taking care of that of that seed in the in the in the in the bed, in the way that you put in that that um small plant we call plantula in the soil, uh in the way that you treat the soil, in the in the way that you control the the plague and and then how the how the different colors transfer in the curing barn. And it has to be it has to be it get it's get involved to the humidity that, that you give that tobacco that you yeah that you give that tobacco to the pre industry and pre industry is a completely different process and they need to listen to the tobacco, touch the tobacco and smell the tobacco so the tobacco can tell them when the tobacco is ready to move, when the tobacco is ready to to move to the different stage and and then in that process um when it's ready they will let you know and and it's when when I come into the brain industry and smoke those bales but there is a big process happening uh before and I really so for example, the farm used to work from 6.30 until 3.30 p.m. That's the work time. And they and the farm usually is from November until March or May. Then the pre-industry is working the whole year, and it's from 7 a.m. until 5 p.m. And the manufacturer is the same, same hour. So basically, uh, the manufacturer and the pre-industry are working eight hours or seven hours per day, and we work from Monday to Friday. But with with Favili, I had the opportunity to learn the the client service and the tourism, which was which was beautiful. So there is uh, a Favili is located in a, in the colonial city. So we have a lot of a lot of tourism, and and it was a it was a completely it was a completely side of the industry, and it is very surprised how how the people appreciate the the slow mode when you are doing the tobacco. They really appreciate the culture. They really appreciate that you are taking your time because they understand that you are trying to make their, your best. And trying to deliver their best. So at Favili, we had uh, we have tours around the around the mansion, and people and people just love that process. So at Favili, actually, I had the opportunity to connect with the consumer side to to really understand that the value of the value of having a factory is not how many cigars you can sell. It's about how many cigars the consumer can remember on how many brands they can get back because they are they are really enjoying the quality and the consistency of that. 
but you have to control on a small and small group and you have to and you have to be there in order that everything can can work so that's that's part so in in your opinion like what makes a, a good or memorable cigar like what qualities must a cigar have in order for it to qualify as good having good and well fermented tobacco good construction and that's it and good humidity so we have to put attention to the humidity every time that i that i that I read some reviews about cigars, I'm wondering, did they, did they take the humidity in the cigar? Because when, when, when the transition happens in the cigar, um, and you have to help that cigar. You have to, to see if it is the tobacco that it's not right, or if it is the humidity that joined that cigar. So, I always, I always think in, in on the humidity when I read a review, and and right now I do not have problems um, smoking others' brands, and and they take actually I'm falling in love with Olmec from Nick Melillo. That cigar is just phenomenal. That cigar is just perfect, and I remember that I got the cigar. And it was very good, but I was smoking the cigar in a very humid environment. So I decided to clean the cigar because I'm not going to underjudge that cigar. And mm-hmm. when I cleaned the cigar, it came back to normal, perfect, clean. So and then I, re- I see some reviews and say like, oh, my God, they forgot to clean the cigar when they were smoking. <laughs> it has changed a lot. But that's why I think personally that re- reviews are so weird in the industry because, like, there is no standard to reviewing a cigar. Like, I don't know how it is in other industries, like the wine industry or whatever, but in the tobacco or the cigar industry in particular, like, when somebody reviews a cigar, it's completely on their scale of how they grade it. Like, I don't know if there's a standard, like, if everyone's following like, the same standard, like, you know, like you just said, like, make sure you, you're you know, check the humidity, make sure you're in this condition, make sure you clean your palate before you do it, then it'll be completely different. So to me, like reviews are are always kind of skewed because one person can be doing everything right and another person can miss one or two steps and it completely changes their whole perception or, or, you know, thought about that one cigar. Yeah, and we have to be clear that when, when somebody is creating a blend or putting a brand out on the market, they are blending, they are choosing that cigar in terms of their palate. So in every palate it's different. So it is it is it is very um very not complicated, very complex. Yeah. Well for I know you but, you but in terms of but in terms of the construction, construction is it's a key. So you can have the best taste, but if the construction is bad, you will not enjoy that cigar. And that is not, it's not, it's not uh, something that, that you cannot judge because the construction, it is a good construction or it is a bad construction. There is not in the middle. This is a total cigar, no. And I know you mentioned um, the tourism part. So 
I know that there's a lot of people who uh, have never been to Nicaragua before. Like if somebody's planning a trip to Nicaragua, what do you suggest they do? Like what are some, I know some touristy kind of tips that you have for people interested in, in visiting your country? So you have to, you, you have two options to land uh, in our country. So you can land in, in the Managua airport or you can land in Costa Rica and take a drive for an hour and 45 minutes and you will be in the border of uh, Nicaragua. Then you are an hour far from Granada. So your first stop, even if you came from Costa Rica or came from Managua, you have 45 an hour away from Granada. So Granada is a colonial city. It is beautiful. Um, we have we have a lake. We have islands there. We have a volcano, a live volcano. So we have Azarte, which is a very good place to go for dinner. We have Numu, which is a new restaurant, uh, like very, very good restaurant. And the Calzada, you can enjoy the culture of Nicaragua. You will have music on the street. You will... You will see, you will feel the hug from from Nicaragua from the beginning. Then the next day you can go to the pueblos blancos. Pueblos blancos, you found uh, artesanía like clay and all that. Uh, you we did not have gardens here. Like we decided to go to a garden. We have a nursery. Okay. Nursery, right? Okay. So we have viveros. And but in Catarina, it is the whole the whole small town as a vivero. So every house is selling plants, and you can enjoy the different type of plants. And this this is close to Granada. So in Granada, because of the humidity, used to used to produce and to grow beautiful plants, different to the north. So then you go to Catarina, and if you really enjoy uh, the beach. So you can go to the beach and the beach is an hour away or an hour and 25 minutes. So you can spend the day in, in like 10 different beaches and with different, with different type. If you like um, a lot of people, you have a beach like that. If you like the privacy, you can go to a different beach. If you like um, the woods and a beach too, we have a beach like that. And then when you, when you get uh, tired of the beach, you can, you can take a road to the north. So in the north, I would like that, that you go and visit Matagalpa. Matagalpa has a, such a beautiful landscape and a beautiful view. Uh, the the sun, sunsets are beautiful too. And Matagalpa is cold. It's, the, it's the, one of the, the coldest area in Nicaragua. So you can go to Matagalpa, and if you like to explore, you can go to Macizo de Peñas Blancas, which is one of the long of Central America. Central America. So, uno de los pulmones de Central America. So you can enjoy there. They have a good, a good, a good, um, very unique hotels. And, and then you, you follow that road and you came to Esteli. So it is funny than taking the Pan American Highway. It's better that you take the, the Matagalpa, the Matagalpa Road. 
So then you land to SLE and you have the paradise of the factories. So SLE is uh, completely uh, work mode. There is a lot of party and there is a lot of good restaurant, but it's work mode. We have um, two different uh, reservas, which is Miraflor and Pisé. In Pisé, uh, you find you found them fine. And Miraflor, it's very cool. The road of Miraflor is hard. So if you like the, 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 the adventure, you can take Miraflor Road. But if you like, like very good roads, you can, you can go to El Pisé. If you came to the north, because of course you have to come and visit the factory in Condega. So you stop in Condega. We can have lunch in Condega. The food is, is, we have a very good culture of food. Or food is delicious, especially my favorite food is gallo pinto, which is rice and beans, because mm. we used to eat rice and beans as a breakfast and dinner, so all the time. And if you want for lunch, you can have it. <laughs> so, and then you can go and visit. So after Condega, you have uh, Somoto. Somoto, we have a canyon, which uh, we can visit on February, and February is a good time to go there because. You walk, you ride a horse, you swim, and walk again. So it's very long, and you can climb and everything. So then we have uh, close to Halasa, we have uh, a spring water. It's just like hot water. How do you call that? Uh, spring? A hot spring? Like hot water. Hot spring. It's just like hot water. But natural okay. water. Okay. I don't think we, don't so, know if we have a special word for it. <laughs> okay, we call that hervideros. So it is like it was a it was a with an explosion of, of a volcano. So there is a natural water, but it's, it's very hot. You can boil some some eggs in that water. Wow. And they have a specific pool that you can go in, and you have your break private pool with the private uh, cabana and then you can take the road to Jalapa and enjoy the Jalapa soil. Jalapa is beautiful. Jalapa is uh, it's, it, it, Jalapa is the border to Honduras. But we are missing a lot of from Nicaragua because we actually have uh, Ometepe Island which is uh, two hours far from Granada. And it's another another beautiful place. We have we have very very good options in Nicaragua. I feel like the the environment that we have, the views that we have, the the different the different things that we can do, like two hours or three hours away, are completely different. The hiking here is free. You can hike whatever you want, and it's gonna be safe. And and yes, the food you can eat. You can, you can eat all over the road and you will be safe too. Just be careful with the water. For us, it's not a problem. Right. I don't think I can have you on the podcast without talking about uh, the role of women in the cigar industry. Because I know you and I have talked about this before. Um, and I hope it's a situation that's getting a little bit better. I know that there's a lot more people. I think from the first time we ever talked about it, which was years ago, to now, there's a lot more people who do recognize women play a, a humongous role 
in the cigar industry, whether it's in the production side or or the consumer side. Um, so for for you, like, are you think are are you seeing things getting better for women in the cigar industry, or do you think there's still a lot more that we need to kind of concentrate on and fix? I think that women are 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 making the decision. I think that more women are joining the industry, and there is less women afraid to show up. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only that's the only difference that I that I see because let's not let's not say that this is a male industry. It was a male industry because we allowed that it was a male industry because we were afraid. But it was not because the the, the the men say like, no, this is not for you. This is only for men. At least it was not in my case. So it, I I everything depend on the on the in the side that you that you want to play. So if I want to be a victim and say like they do not allow me, they will never allow me because it's yourself putting that 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 wall there. But if you if you if you do not ask and just do it and start doing the job that you clearly think that you deserve or do you want, it's going to happen. So I don't, I don't see that the industry is, uh, that there is, there is no woman because of a gender. I think that we, we clearly believe that office a woman make that difference, not not the men and i want to be and i want to be clear and i want to be clear because um i i i don't i i don't care if if somebody say like you are a woman and you don't know how to smoke i don't i don't put attention to that it's just like well if that's the point let let me let me judge you how you are smoking or what you are doing with your cigars so at 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 this point, I'm very excited to see that there is more there is more women taking like a like a more face role in working by their family side and trying to to make a difference. But the 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 thing was before there is always women working. So and if there is not a woman in a house, so you will have problems. So it's not necessarily that we have women inside of the of the of the factories of of the the whole cigar industry, but they were at home and they were providing what the men want in order that the industry can grow. So if you see, it's them. It, everything is in terms of, of perspective, and I believe that right now we are we are going far and we as women make that decision and there is more women taking that decision i know that it was a hard line to cross but when we ourselves challenge when we challenge ourselves and say like hey let me try this we realize that there is no wall there is no people saying this is not for women there is not such a such a thing from my perspective Again, <laughs> well, I think it's. I think you said a lot of things. I was, you know, I can definitely agree with. Um, usually at this point in the show, I like to ask people, uh, each guest, like the same two questions. Um, the first of those questions is, 
what is your philosophy? So is there a philosophy or rule that you live by? Yes. I need to show up every day to work in order that I can see the fruit of my work and believe in God. Um, the second question is, I want you to finish the sentence. So Indiana Ortez is... Uh, an apprentice. Do you want to elaborate on it? Or do you want to go deeper on Yeah, I, well, I feel like Indiana Ortiz is just um, a woman trying to make honor to what their grandpa and father create in this industry. And... I'm trying to, I'm looking for finding my way and I have the support of my family. So that's, that's Indiana Ortiz, the one who works. Awesome. Now, like, I know I asked you this before we even went live, but tell people what are you doing now in the industry or what you're working on now? Because they always want to know from so, you, like, what's coming? What can they look forward to? Like, what's coming next? So I have my own factory, Casa de Ortez. Casa de Ortez, it's it's gonna be um, it's it's gonna be the face of my family. We are gonna through Casa de Ortez, we are gonna celebrate the effort and the hard work of three generations, and it, with vertically integrated. So we are gonna in the spring you will have. Uh, three different, one brand with three different sizes, which is going to be called Primavera. So hope you keep looking that. So from the Favili side, I'm still working with Favili. Um, I'm working in their blends and supervising their production. Casa de Ortez will produce in Favili, uh, Favili production too, part of the Favili production. And I'm going to concentrate my efforts to build and grow Casa Ortiz. So you will see me more on the, on the at stores, retailers, and shows. Awesome. Now, can you tell people how they can keep up with you? So is there any social media they need to follow? Is there any websites that they need to um, go to to see what you're doing and some of the companies that you work with? Yes, you can go to www.casadeortez.com and www.favili.com. Those are the two companies that I'm working in. In social media, you can go to Casa Ortez on Instagram and Indiana Ortez on Instagram too. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for uh, sharing your story with us today. Like I said, it's been fun kind of catching up with you because this has been a while since uh, you and I have had the pleasure of, of meeting face to face. I was thinking it was, it was probably before the pandemic. So that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Antoine, for this invitation and thanks for having this space uh, for the industry in order that we can share what we are doing or so. Thanks for making this, this space so, so comfortable and coffee. I, I really enjoyed the time talking to you and to your community. Awesome. Thank you.